Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, hey there, folks. It's your old pal Merle, the hillbilly. And I reckon it's time for an Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Another blood-curdling story. Pull up a stump, grab a swig of moonshine. Let's get ready for a bone-chilling adventure you ain't soon gonna forget. I always enjoyed the great outdoors, and so had my friends. That's why we planned a camping trip together, just to get away from the city's hustle and bustle for a weekend. Little did we know that our innocent adventure would become a terrifying fight for survival. We reached our chosen campsite, a beautiful clearing surrounded by dense forest. After setting up our tents and starting a campfire, we decided to explore the area. As we trekked deeper into the woods, we stumbled upon something that stopped us in our tracks. The remains of what appeared to be a Bigfoot research team's camp. The tents were torn to shreds, and the researchers' belongings were scattered everywhere. 
We exchanged nervous glances, our excitement quickly turning to unease. As we investigated further, we discovered the mutilated bodies of the researchers, their wounds appearing to be inflicted by something far more powerful than any human. Our curiosity quickly morphed into terror as we realized that the team must have been attacked by some kind of ferocious creatures. The evidence pointed to one chilling possibility. Werewolves. We knew that we had to get out of there as fast as we could, but as darkness fell, we began to hear the distant howling of the very creatures that had decimated the research team. We huddled together, our hearts pounding in our chests, as we realized that we were now being hunted as well. With limited supplies and no weapons to speak of, we knew that our only chance for survival was to rely on our wits and each other. As the howling grew closer, we devised a plan. We would split into pairs and use our knowledge of the forest to set traps and ambushes for the werewolves. It was a risky strategy, but we were desperate, and it was the only option we had. Our plan was met with some success. We managed to slow the werewolves down and even injure a few of them, but they were relentless and we were growing tired. With every passing moment, our situation became more dire. We knew that we couldn't keep running forever, and we needed to find a way to stop the werewolves once and for all. In a last-ditch effort, we lured the werewolves to a nearby cliff where we planned to use our combined strength to push them over the edge. It was a dangerous gamble, but we had nothing left to lose. As the werewolves charged towards us, we braced ourselves for the final confrontation. With a surge of adrenaline, we managed to push the werewolves off the cliff and watched as they disappeared into the darkness below. Exhausted and emotionally drained, we collapsed on the ground, the realization of our survival washing over us. Our camping trip had taken a dark and unexpected turn, but we had managed to survive by relying on each other and our resourcefulness. We would never forget the terrifying ordeal we had endured, and we knew that our friendship had been forged even stronger through the crucible of fear and danger. I was squirrel hunting on public hunting property in northwest Indiana, Indiana Department of Natural Resources, about an hour from my house. It is my habit to start my hunting early in the morning. I'd never felt any pressure while hunting in this area or since the incident, so I thought nothing of hunting this day. It was fairly quiet except for the twittering of the occasional bird while I'd been there. It was after 11 a.m. when I decided to take a little break and have a snack from my pack, so I took a seat along the trail. As I sat there, a voice came into my thoughts that said, Behind you, you preached to listen to your inner voice and trust it. I did. I turned around to look behind me. As soon as I got turned around, I saw an enormous being about nine feet tall and one thousand pounds with long flowing reddish-brown hair all over his body that resembled an orangutan in color. I only saw it for one or two seconds because that is how long it took for it to stride across the trail opening. I got the impression that it didn't know or didn't care that I was there since it didn't look my way. I was about 120 yards away just sitting on the side of the trail. I suddenly wanted to get the hell out of there, realizing that I was no longer the apex predator in those woods. 
The twenty-two semi-auto rifle I had would have done nothing more than piss off the creature and offered no more protection than a sharp pointy stick. I head back to my car, looking over my shoulder the entire time, wondering if I was going to end up as a statistic. But I was not going to let this thing destroy my love for the woods. It took me a while, but I did make it back to those same woods. I now say at the very beginning of my hunts that I'm only there to harvest a few squirrels and to enjoy the woods. I'm not there looking for them. I ask that they not scare me while I'm there. So far, that has been working. Does this offer credence to Mindspeak? I don't know. Did the Sasquatch let me know it was there, wanting me to see it? I don't know, but that is what I am leaning toward. I was just an average hiker out for a day hike in the National Park. I had heard the legends of the Wendigo, but I had never thought I would come face to face with one. It all happened so fast. One moment I was admiring the beauty of the woods, and the next I was being tackled by a creature unlike any I had ever seen before. It was tall and thin, with matted fur and glowing eyes. It had elongated fingers that ended in sharp claws. Its mouth was wide and gaping, revealing razor-sharp teeth. The creature dragged me deeper into the woods, away from the trail. I struggled and fought, but it was no use. It was too strong. It pinned me to the ground and began to feast on my flesh. I remember thinking that this was it, this was the end. And then everything went black. When I woke up, I was in the ranger station. Park Ranger Harold was sitting next to me. He was the one who had found my body and brought me back to civilization. You're lucky to be alive, he said. I found you just in time. But I'm afraid the creature got away. I felt a surge of fear and anger. How could this have happened? How could a creature like that be roaming free in the National Park? Harold must have sensed my emotions because he quickly added, Don't worry, we'll take care of it. I've already reported the incident to my supervisor and he's sending out a team to track and capture the creature. But, as it turns out, the supervisor had different plans. He didn't want to call the police because he feared that if the public found out about the creature, the National Park would be closed down. So instead, he tasked Harold with finding and killing the creature himself. Harold was reluctant to accept the mission, but he knew he had no choice. He was the only one with experience tracking the creature, and he couldn't let anyone else get hurt. So he went into the woods, armed with only a rifle and a determination to take down the monster. It was a cold and dark night when Harold finally caught sight of the creature. He raised his rifle, took aim, and fired. But the creature was fast and agile. It dodged the bullet and tackled Harold. The next morning, another ranger went to investigate and only found Harold's radio dispatcher. They searched for him, but they never found his body. It's been days since Harold went missing, and the creature still roams free. I can't help but think that I was the one who brought this curse upon us all. If I had only stayed on the trail, if I had only ignored the legends, Harold would still be alive. But now it's too late. The creature is out there, and it's hungry. I can only hope that the next person who crosses its path is luckier than I was.
First of all, sorry for my English. I am from Austria, and it isn't very easy for me to write or speak English. I had nothing to do with any kind of crypto. Animals ever, and I have never heard of most of them, especially not Movement. That is, until May of 2017. I visited my aunt Namesville, Ohio, which was my first visit of the United States, and I have to say I liked it. It was nice. On the fourth day of my stay there, I was hiking around because the nature in that area is really nice. There's also a nice forest in that area that I decided to walk through a little. It wasn't night, it wasn't dark, it was in the middle of the day, and I was on my own when I noticed a funny smell. It smelt like there was a rotten animal somewhere around, but it also smelt like heated chocolate. Don't ask me. I know it sounds weird. I started looking around, cause the smell was so strong that I thought there must be something going on. I hid behind rocks when I heard some branches cracking north of me. I was afraid of bears, although I was told there are no bears in this area, and I shouldn't be afraid. I still was, couldn't help myself. Thirty seconds after I started hiding behind those stones, I saw some being. Kinda tall like myself, I thought. But I wasn't sure about it at first. I thought of a standing bear, because I saw that on TV several times, but the noises that animal made weren't bear-like at all. It sounded like air in a way, like someone would use a really big fan. I can't explain it better thanks to the language barrier, sorry, Lo. That's all the noise it made. This occasional flapping. After I haven't seen and heard anything for five minutes, I decided to leave my hideout to walk away. After approximately fifteen minutes of walking back the way I came from, I heard those flapping sounds again and immediately ducked. I sneaked behind the next best tree again. This time I saw the thing. It was around meters away from where I was, and I couldn't quite believe what I saw. What I saw looked like a large dude, maybe seven feet tall, in a suit. He, or it was kind of furry and wore a cape, or maybe wings of a sort. Hard to say. The thing had antennas attached to its head and also appeared to wear some kind of night vision goggles, but it was day. It moved quite fast and stressed out. The cape occasionally made those flappy noises. It disappeared after ten seconds or so. When I told my aunt about it, she kind of laughed it off and told me that sounds like I was talking about the Mothman. A common legend in some areas. It was just today that I remembered the Mothman and looked it up. And what can I say? The thing absolutely looked like the Mothman. It could have been some guy, of course, but the question is, why would he walk around there, make those sounds and all? And what about the smells? Anyone else experienced stuff like that or knows what I'm talking about? As a park ranger, Sarah had heard plenty of stories about Bigfoot sightings in the area. She always dismissed them as nothing more than tall tales, until one night when she had an encounter that she couldn't explain. Sarah was doing her rounds, checking the trails and campsites when she heard a strange noise. It was a low, guttural growl that made the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. She shone her flashlight around, but couldn't see anything in the darkness. Suddenly. 
She heard a loud snap and turned to see a massive creature standing before her. It was a bipedal brown Bigfoot, towering over her at nearly eight feet tall. Its eyes glowed in the beam of her flashlight, and she could see its powerful muscles rippling beneath its fur. Sarah tried to back away slowly, but the creature took a step forward, blocking her path. She could feel the fear creeping up inside her as the creature bared its teeth, growling menacingly. Just when Sarah thought she was done for, the creature suddenly turned and ran off into the forest. She stood there, trembling and trying to catch her breath, wondering what had just happened. Over the next few days, Sarah couldn't shake the feeling that she was being watched. She heard strange noises and saw shadows moving in the trees. She even found large footprints in the dirt, confirming that what she had seen was real. Finally, she decided to do some research on Bigfoot sightings in the area. To her surprise, she found that there were dozens of reports of sightings, and even encounters like hers. Sarah continued her work as a park ranger, but she always kept her eyes and ears open for any signs of the mysterious creature. She knew that the forest held many secrets, and that she had just scratched the surface of what lay hidden within its depths. It was a cold and cloudy winter evening, and I had just woke up from a nice little power nap. I was tired as usual after every power nap, so I slowly got up and went to the kitchen to get something to eat. I got some food, heated it up, and went to go sit down and watch some YouTube. I sat down and found a video of urban legends on my home page. I was interested, so I clicked on it and watched it. It showed the usual goat man and moth man, but one urban legend caught my eye. A urban legend called the Orange Eyes. I was intrigued and watched it. The video creator said that it was a Bigfoot-type creature. It was tall and had glowing orange eyes. But what I was really surprised about was it was an urban legend from my state. So after I heard that information, I searched up where it supposedly it and found that it was only a 15-minute drive from me. So like any other adventurous human, I hit up my friend and asked if he wanted to come with me and go look for it. He told me that he doesn't believe in that stuff and it was a waste of time, but I begged him and finally after a couple of minutes he agreed. I was really excited. I got dressed and packed some flashlights because it's almost nine. After I was done packing up supplies, I got in my car and had to pick my friend up. When I got there, he didn't look too excited and said that he was tired. He got in the car and we were on our way. I told him the details and what the thing looked like and he said that. There's no way the thing is real. I told him that it would be fun and that there's probably nothing out there. We got to the road that would take up straight to the area we could get out at to be closer to the forest entrance. While driving down the road, I couldn't help shake the feeling of being watched, but I tried to not notice the feeling and kept heading down to the entrance. We got to the entrance and I handed my buddy a flashlight because it was pitch black outside. I told him if he was ready and he said that he was good, so we start the nightmarish journey into the forest of the orange eyes. We walked for a good hour or so with nothing really happening. My buddy said that he was tired and wanted to go back home, but I told him, let's stay for two more hours. He agreed, and we continued walking. I couldn't shake off the feeling again of being watched. I told my friend if he felt the same way, and he said, yeah, 
Ever since we turned onto the road that headed down here, I felt like I was being watched. We both were on edge now as we continued forward, not too long after the feeling of being watched. We hear to our right something being snapped like if someone or something stepped on a branch. We both jumped at the sound of it and pointed our flashlights over in the direction of the noise, but to our relief, it was just a little deer. We joked around with each other about who jumped more at the sound. We did this for a minute or two. We were in the middle of having a little argument when we heard heavy breathing coming from my left. We stopped arguing and listened closely to see if it was what we heard. We heard the heavy breathing like we thought we did. I didn't want to shine my light over there, so I tried to see if I could see anything. Thinking back to it, I wished I didn't look because what I saw would haunt me for the rest of my life. What I saw, standing there behind a tree, was ten-foot creatures standing there with one of its eyes peering around the tree. And what shook me down to the core was that its eyes were orangish-red color. At this point, I wanted to pass out from fear, but I stopped that from happening. I looked at my buddy, and I could tell that he saw it, too. I told him that we need to get out of here now before it's too late. We both agreed that we would take off at a dead sprint back to the car. I told him on three we would go. I started to count, but I couldn't even get to two and felt a warm breath hit the back of my neck. At that point, I screamed, run. We kicked it into six gear and ran as fast as we could. As we were running, I heard the tree moving and felt the ground shaking. My lungs were burning from the thin, cold air. We ran for what felt like hours until we saw the car. I reached into my pocket for my car key and with one swift movement unlocked the car, opened the door, and turned the car on. I put the car in reverse so fast I felt like I could have been a stuntman for a racing movie. I hit the gas, flung the car around like an action movie. I put the car in drive and floored it down the road, never looking back once. Once we felt like we were a good distance away to ease up a bit. I asked my buddy if he was okay, and he said he was fine. All I did on the drive home was think about how close the creature was to me for me to feel its breath. I dropped my buddy off and told him to be safe and take care. When I got home, I took everything off, took a shower, and went to bed. The next morning was good. I felt like the day before was just a bad dream. But I realized really soon that it was real because the backpack that I had used to carry my stuff had a big slash in it, probably from the thing or a tree branch. From when we were running away, I called my friend to check if he was all right and continued my day after. By now I've kind of gotten over it, and my friend doesn't think of it anymore. From that experience, I don't want to go to a forest to hike or camp anymore. I hope you take something from this and learn to not be stupid like me and go out to a forest at night. I grew up in the very rural upper peninsula of Michigan, and there were plenty of people living off the grid up there. The winters were brutal and any error could equal freezing to death. There was a kid in my middle school who came from one of these off-the-grid families and he could barely read, let alone speak much, and always showed up dressed in muddy head-to-toe camo. One day, the teacher caught him pissing on someone else's desk, and when asked why he did it, he simply said he wanted to leave his scent. 
Another time, a girl showed up with a severed deer head in a garbage bag because she wanted to show off her hunt. When I was seven or eight and my brother five or six, our mom went to visit an old college friend somewhere in the Texas Hill Country. The house was totally filled with stuff, full-blown hoarder. My brother and I see a dry creek bed. We take off to explore and look for fossils, rocks, you name it. I remember it vivid. It was close to sunset. I had just found a small conical shell fossil and was admiring and inspecting it when the most frightening noise pierced every cell in my body. Mountain lion scream. I immediately look at my brother. His face had the expression of terror, as did mine. I said we have to get out of here now. I ended up dropping my fossil as we ran back to the house as fast as possible. I will never forget that sound. A place way out in West Texas, my wife and I camp, it is riddled with mountain lion sign. Footprints everywhere and scat. After exploring and hiking this area, I realized it is literally the perfect spot for them. Plenty of food, water, shelter, and it's extremely remote and difficult to access. The spring that flows up out of the rock hold supports many large cottonwood trees, tall grasses, and all the other desert plant species for the length of the canyon. It's not a place I would go for a nighttime stroke. Cats could ambush you with ease any time you're walking in one of the thousands of arroyos. On the coast, where I live, bioluminescence lights up the surf during the summer when conditions are right. And when they are right, the fishing is usually stellar. One night when the surf was calm, as it can be my buddy and I were shark fishing. I was kayaking out of bait about 400-500 yards. Every paddle stroke was lighting up bright green. That night was one of the brightest bioluminescence shows I have seen. As I am paddling and looking at the biolight show. I'm creating I see something else lighting up the surface as well and heading straight towards me. In the bright moonlight, I can see a dorsal fin cutting through the water. Oh, fuck! No, 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 this isn't happening. I'm a sitting duck, only a small knife and paddle to defend myself. I start paddling as fast as I can in hopes I can beat it to shore. Impossible, as it gets nearer and nearer to the point that I'm about to have to wrestle a shark. I hear a blast of air, the exhale or inhale of a dolphin. He turns a few feet away from me and heads off. I still paddled my ass back to shore in a hurry. We ended up catching some nice sharks that night. I've seen lights in the night sky on two different occasions that none of us that saw them can determine reason what they were. Pretty bizarre. Both instances, the lights looked close, as in well within the lower atmosphere. About 15 years ago, I traveled to Spain with my best friend. We were both around 20 at the time, living the carefree young adult life. You know, just two guys having a great time. We were in a warm country, no carefully filled itinerary whatsoever, just living in the moment, doing whatever we felt like. My friend, who originally came from Spain, Still had family there, which made the month-long travel very affordable since they offered us free accommodation. 
a roof over our head, a working bathroom with fresh showers and three meals a day if we liked. They also gave us a spare key so we could come and go just as we liked. During the day, we often went swimming to keep us as cool as possible, and during the evenings we often explored the city, went for drinks, or went to a club. On a certain day, somewhat more to the end of our month, long stay there, the father of our host family, my friend's uncle, took us out for a fishing trip. We had a lot of fun out on the sea, although the trip was cut short because we had a bit too much fun consuming beers. The burning summer sun, too many beers, and the wavy feeling of being out on the open sea made for a very bad case of seasickness for both my friend and me, his uncle, though it was funny, though. After having had an afternoon rest, or as they called it, siesta and a very fulfilling late-night dinner, we decided to go back out to the beach. We took a couple of cold beers with us. However, we didn't take many, as we were still feeling a bit groggy from before. It was a beautiful night, open sky, no clouds, little to no light pollution, making the twinkling stars very visible and present. Being on vacation, being young, on a still warm but comfortable summer night with a light breeze and a starry sky, it was the perfect moment to talk about the meaning of life, about what we liked to achieve one day, about what was worth it, or what wasn't. If there were any other intelligent life out there, if we would live for another 1,000 years or not. The crashing of the waves against the sand of the beach and the rocks was very calming and was lulling us into a meditative state. Only that moment in that place seemed to exist. There was no outside world, no life with responsibilities, no obligations, no expectations, no working hard to get somewhere. It was that moment we noticed something was off. The crashing of the sea against the sand of the beach sounded different. Harder. Like something was moving in it. Under the waves, a vague shape started to form. As it neared the shoreline, it started to get the shape of a dog. We both looked at each other and noticed we had been holding our breaths for about a minute. It took the dog to crawl from the sea to the shoreline. The tension broke because we both burst out laughing because we had been so easily startled by something so innocent. But then my friend asked the question that made the newly regained light mood go away in an instant. Where did that dog come from, though? There's no one around, and we never saw any dog go into the sea. Neither was there any dog swimming around that came from under the water. Now that he had worded it like that, it seemed rather curious, and actually that dog seemed pretty big for any existing dog I had ever seen. As it was crawling along the beach solely illuminated by the first quarter moon, it looked the size of a small horse, but in the shape of a dog or wolf with matted fur. It had very present bony joints in its knees and elbows and walked a bit awkwardly. My friend and I were debating if we should follow the beast and decided we did actually want to find out what exactly it was. I took out my phone and started to film it. For as far as any 2008 smartphone could film in the dark, by the time we reached the place at the beach where it had left the water, it had already reached the sand dunes and disappeared in it. We saw it had left a track and decided to follow that into the dunes. We weren't prepared for what we saw next, though. 
The beast had left the track in the wet sand in the form of individual hoof prints in a straight line instead of a crisscross pattern as with any four-legged animal. No horse could have walked in such a line, and even though it had looked like the size of a horse, it hadn't looked anything like the shape of a horse. Neither were horses aquatic animals. We followed the track to the dunes and went over the first dune when we saw the beast standing about ten meters from us in a speck of moonlight. It didn't look anything like a dog, either. It looked like it had the lower half of a goat and the upper half of something like a werewolf or something. Just the dimensions wear off, the shapes were awkward. It was such a big animal neither of us could place under any existing animal we knew of with matted fur and bony joints that had just come out of nowhere from under the water, but clearly could walk and survive on the land as well, that left of marks in a straight line. Because we had just stumbled through the bushes closely behind the beast and had given away our presence, it slowly started to turn its head towards us while it was turning towards us. It stood on its hind legs. Not only was this an animal that came from under the water, as well as could survive on the land and walk on four legs, it could clearly stand and walk very well on two legs as well. The beast gained even more size by standing on its hind legs and must have been around twenty-five meters big. It stared at us with red glowing eyes. These were not to be mistaken with the eyes of any nocturnal animal with reflective eyes. These were actually glowing from within. I felt stuck in my spot, completely frozen, but luckily my friend who was two steps behind me had the mind to run away and pull me with him. We ran for what felt like an hour, but must have been closer to ten minutes because we reached the house of my friend's family before we knew it. The beast hadn't followed us or at least not all the way. We went in and told the entire story to his uncle. Of course he thought we must have been still drunk and tired and had seen things that weren't there, but when we showed him the recording he went pale. He took a shovel. A gun would have been more impressive against a beast like that, but it's not like the average European just has guns lying around, and asked us to show us where we had seen it. We searched for almost two hours, but didn't find the beast again. However, we did find the hoof marks, albeit a bit washed up because of the current of the sea. We went back home trying to make something of what we had just seen, but couldn't. We needed to know what animal we had just seen. We started googling all kind of things, of course with the lower half of the beast looking like a goat. We stumbled upon a lot of myths about the devil which we discarded. We had seen an actual live beast that wasn't known by humanity yet, and wanted to know if any other people had ever seen anything like it. It was only when we googled hoof marks one straight line that we stumbled upon the term, the devil's footprints. So it was an actual thing, or at least something that had supposedly been seen before, according to myths and stories. But they must have had some truth to them, since they described exactly what we had just seen with our own eye. The few days we had left in Spain, we spent our nights out with my friend's uncle trying to find the beast again, but to no purpose, as we never saw it again. When I came home a few days later, I saved the recording on my hard drive, not sure what to do with it yet. 
I didn't want to be the crazy guy that had seen the devil because I still don't believe I did. I just want to know what animal this was and how come we haven't documented this beast yet. I tried to forget about it but couldn't. And a year later I decided I wanted to publish the recording in the hope anyone could make any sense of what we had seen that night. The uncle of my friend hadn't seen the beast in all that time and had asked around in the town if anyone had ever seen it, which they didn't. I had switched phones by then, but luckily I had the recording saved on my desktop, where I had replayed it at least a thousand times. I booted up my desktop and something was wrong. I had to restart my desktop a couple of times, and after booting it up in safe mode I got the message my hard drive had crashed. I tried whatever was possible to try, but I couldn't recover the recording in any way. Fifteen years later, I'm still breaking my head over what the beast we encountered could have been, but by now it's a story my friends believe to be for making conversation. Only that friend and his uncle are still branded by the experience as well. My friend even took it so far to go live in Spain again, near the beach where it all happened, and still continues to actively look for the beast to this day. Maybe one day he'll find it, 